0: Canine Counselor's first podcast. This podcast will feature lots of interesting dog training and dog behavior information from a 30-year veteran trainer and my mentor, Phyllis Smuland of Canine Counselor, Inc. in Virginia. This particular episode was recorded while I was traveling cross-country preparing for a workshop Phyllis and I were doing. It features information about fear aggression, resource guarding, and other useful tips for dog trainers and dog owners alike. Hope you enjoy it. Just for your information, we did not actually plan to broadcast this this interview. It was going to be for us only to prepare for a workshop, but after I listened to it, I thought it was full of great information, and so I decided to publish it with Phyllis's permission. Um, so, please excuse the background noise and the music in the background and try and <laughs> concentrate on the conversation at hand. Thanks so much. Go ahead and just rattle off your list of signs of future aggression
1: in puppies. So- you need to stop it for a second. Signs <laughs> headed towards fear aggression. What are signs in the puppy that we are dealing with a very dominant, independent, assertive puppy? Okay. Right? So yeah. what do you want me to talk about?
0: Uh, we'll go with the fear aggression first.
1: Okay. So most puppies that have... Are you ready? Yep. You're already recording, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> puppies that develop fear aggression have a tendency to be very calm and quiet and it goes unnoticed because most people think, what a calm, sweet, easy puppy that just sits there and lets me pet. They yeah. are not always reactive to things until they reach about 16 weeks. You might start seeing some noise sensitivity. By the time they reach six months, you might start seeing woofing under the breath. Woof, woof. Yeah. Backing away. Um, resource guarding has a tendency to be connected with fearful puppies. So you may see a puppy that wants to grab something and hide under a table with it or wants to keep all its things in the back of the crate, right? Um, pushing the food to the back of the crate, that kind of thing, or worse yet, hovering over it and growling, um, between six and nine months and sometimes in larger breeds, nine to 11, you know, six to 11 months, you'll, you'll start seeing the growling and backing away for yeah. barking and backing away. And then as whatever the thing is that they are barking at, they might start going forward right between 11 months of the year and three months. Okay. Between a year and a half and two and a half, they typically have lived their first bite. Um, and it can happen that somebody who's passing by or walking away from the dog and the dog gets behind. Yeah. Then they start showing very over clingy behavior with the owner, laying across their feet, leaning on top, on top of them all the time, being very demanding for things such as food, affection, or space. Um, also perceived by the owner as affectionate behavior because they want to be petted all the time. Right. Um, and uh, then when people get into the dog's personal space, they start going forward and and you get your first fear bite on your sweet little puppy was so nice, calm, and easy under the age of six months, we don't know what happened. Right. So where do you want me to go from there? I think that's good. I know, but I'm stuttering because you're taping me. Camera shy. <laughs> oh. So, you know, and the reason why I'm hesitating, Julie, and, and this is all going to be on there is because depending on the... On the breed, your smaller dogs may be quicker to react. Right. Your larger dogs, like your mastiffs, they mature slower, so some of these things might be happening in a later stage. Right. But generally speaking, with fearful dogs and fear aggression, it starts in that very, very quiet puppy. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, between the time that owners get the dog and the dog is six months old, dogs are going to groomers, dogs are going possibly to boarding situations, Um, they go to the vet, and the owner suddenly starts coming up with all these excuses that something must have happened. Right. We don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, our beloved puppy is now displaying aggression, and we don't understand why. Right. Um, or extreme nervous behavior. Now, stress, stress in puppies, anxiety, which is confused with fear sometimes, because there's a difference. Between anxious, anxious, and fearful. Yeah. Um, you'll see a puppy that uh, pitches a fit in the crate. A lot of panting, a lot of barking, a lot of screaming, urinating in the crate, um, not wanting to eat meals in the crate, panicking when people leave. Commonly called separation anxiety. Instead of saying the dog just simply has anxiety. Right. Separation anxiety is uh, from improper handling of an insecure dog. Versus that it is a thing. It is developed by human interaction that is improper for the dog's temperament. Yeah. Um, what about just straight up? Uh, so in aggressive puppies, puppies that are going to have the potential of fear aggression will also be extremely mauling with their owners and with other people who want to get in their space and touch and so that also gets excused as just puppy playful mouthing Right. Um, versus the puppy is putting its teeth on you because you're getting in his personal space and it's insecure Yeah. and it just wants you to go away. It sounds right. a lot like the doodle I just had in. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, these dogs also have a tendency to be overreactive. In smaller dogs you might see things like they're yelping and screaming and freaking out because they're getting a temperature taken or they're uh, getting a shot instead, that where it doesn't actually hurt, but the dog is just panicky and, and making a bunch of noise because it's afraid. Yeah. Um, and so, once again, we have a puppy that gets excused and behavior inviting, and it's all of a sudden when it grows up, it aggresses. Yeah. Nothing is ever all of a sudden. No. No. So, what about just. Other uh, uh, signs of aggression? Um, you know, being wary of things, backing away, you know, aggression for most people is not considered aggression until there's blood drawn. Right. When you can help a lot of these dogs not become biters because biting works because you catch a really young age. Once they bite, you have a biter. Yeah. They find that it works really well. there's a way what they're afraid of. So what so about just away. what was the other one you and, said? You said fear aggression and dominant, just dominant aggression. It's signs right? of um, extreme dominance, which also can be a fearful dog that's comfortable in its home, getting no structure. Right. Is commonly confused as oh we have a dominant dog when in all truthfulness we we'll have a fearful dog that has no leadership from its family and no structure because they don't think they have a problem. Right? Yeah, people don't get dogs because they want to be control freaks. Um, and they're giving affection to the wrong state of mind, etc. Being fear, or insecurity. Oh, we're going to love him out of being afraid. Um, then they start getting really assertive with the owners. Yeah. Jumping, mouthing, body blocking, being first all the time, running up the stairs ahead of you, and then jumping on you when you get to the top of the stairs. Being first out the door. Being overreactive and lunging at things—it's commonly perceived as dominant behavior when it's really not. Defensive.
0: So how would you know the difference?
1: The difference between dominance and defense? Yeah. Dominance never shows insecurity. True dominance is very hard to come by. You don't usually see that unless you have police canines. Unless you have a canines what? up all the time. They want to run right up to everything and investigate everything. Right. They're over top of it. There's zero hesitation in that puppy if it's truly dominant. Yeah. There is no hesitation under any circumstances in any situation. And then they are also very overly pushy with their owners, getting getting their space, a lot of jumping, a lot of mouthing. Um, In fearful puppies, that is tenfold excessive in all those behaviors. And they do not want to go investigate stuff. Yeah. They stay at a distance, even if they're barking, even if the tail is up. Right. People will go, look, he's dominant. His tail's up, his hair's up, and he's barking at something. But if he's barking and standing and backing from it, right? Is he taking a little step forward and then backing away? He's not running right up to it. Right. Right. So who is a dog we know that's so truly dominant? That same that same fearful puppy will be extraordinarily dominant with an owner who is weak, right? Insecure. Or giving affection to it because they think they're helping it. Yeah. And then they're excessive in everything, wanting to try to keep that position because it's much harder for them to do that. Yeah. Um, And then typically the owner's the first one to get bit, removing the dog from the couch or the bed or an elevated place. Right. What's commonly called dominance and insecurity, right? Yeah. The first time I heard that, I said it doesn't make sense, but it actually makes makes sense. Yeah right? Dominant are dominant insecure. because you're not, you know, so because the pack animals, if you're not leading them, they have to take over. Yep. Um, so.
0: All right, so what other, what other behaviors do you see in puppies that might result in other, you know, concerning behavior later that people don't see?
1: Well, mostly it's excessive mouthing. I mean, then, then you may get some uh, resource behaviors. The uh, First stage of resource guarding when the dog's not growling but eventually will are dogs that want to take things and go underneath tables hide with them or when you go to pet it then they turn their head or lower their head and get their head to the ground. Right. You know, they may show a whale eye. These are all things that owners don't see. Right. Um, or to an untrained eye, they don't, they don't see it as anything. Um, you know, going underneath the... Uh, putting things in the back of the kennel. I think I said that.
0: Yeah. Um, so can you have resource guarding without other behavior issues?
1: Good question. Um, you can. You mean without human aggression outside of that? Meaning that the dog isn't going after people at the door and people coming up to the owner, that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, but also like... Um, insecurity
1: yeah you can you know i've seen i've seen puppies where they're just aggressive with the owners, but they're not aggressive with anybody else but typically it it, it just it escalates onto other things it's not always just the food toys yeah so what do you You
0: think causes uh resource guarding
1: insecure temperament it's genetic yeah it's either there it's not i mean I, i just had somebody the other day say to me Oh, I, I, I had the kids, when we brought the puppy home at eight weeks, I had the kids go right over there and put their hands on the food so the dog knew that the children and Dominant over it and that they could take their food. Well, like, that's really silly, right? Yeah. Like, why would you do that? And he said, you know, the dog learned because he never, ever growled at the kids, and the kids were always able to take the food away. Well, that's because they didn't have a resource starter. Right. Something it's either there or it's not there, and it's dinner right away. You can see in eight-week-old puppy. Yeah. I've tested puppies on the 49th day uh, after birth, and they're already grounding over picture. Yeah. So whatever is there is there.
0: So how would
1: you go? If you make it go away, it can be managed.
0: Yeah, that was my next question. How How do you manage it or try to fix it?
1: I can't fix it. You can't fix something that's... It's not broken. It's not broken. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Right? So you're not going to fix it. People always want to fix things. It's not mechanical. You can't just take a screwdriver and tighten up the screws and fix it. Right? So first, changing relationship. Having high regard for the owner. And then the owner being an advocate for the dog. Guess what? My dog doesn't like being petted by strangers. You know? Yeah. Um, How often do you see dogs pet other dogs? They don't (laughs) want to be petted. They accept grooming and affection from their owners. And they like it. But that doesn't mean... Yeah. Um, It doesn't mean they want everyone doing it. That's right. You know, most people would be offended if a stranger reached into their baby carriage and touched their baby.
0: Yeah.
1: But yet they want their fearful dog to be petted by somebody who is being friendly. And the dog's eyes, the person's being friendly. They're being very invasive in their personal space.
0: Actually, I think people yeah. make their if kids are shy or something, they they will push their kids to also do that. Do yeah, what? Which I don't think helps the kids. You know, like oh, stop being afraid of my friend. Go give her a hug. You know. All
1: right.
0: Sort of thing. Yes. All right. Because
1: I was that kid, but it well, didn't help me. Kids, they're still running on instinct. That's what keeps them safe. Humans run on a bunch of garbage that they hear from other people instead of, you know, people say all the time, "I should have gone with my gut." I've yeah. Got your gut the sense, your instinct. Yeah. Listen to it because it's always right. Um, and and animals are strictly running on instinct. They're not running on anything else. Right. So when they instinctually say, hey, I'm not comfortable with that, uh, humans should never force that in the, in the animal. Yeah. But they can make them feel more comfortable by being their advocate, stepping in front and saying, hey, don't touch my dog, I'm sorry, he's very fearful. Right. And then they trust the handler better, too. You yeah. know, instead of being nervous and saying, well, you know, he's kind of shy, or sometimes he growls at people, or, you know, hey, guess what, he's not friendly, please back off. Right. You know, because otherwise your dog's going to do it. Yeah. Your dog's going to step up and say, hey, I'm not comfortable with that. So what's the difference between exposure and socialization? And what does socialization mean to people? You can socialize him out of being dog aggressive. You can socialize him out of being fearful. Can you-, you can condition the dog to things, right? Yeah. So that they are accepting of it if you're a good leader.
0: I don't know. I think they would be one and the same if it's done properly.
1: That's correct. So what I tell people is exposure is critical. Socialization is the same thing. Socialization does not mean physical contact. Right. It does to humans, right? Yeah. It means exposure. Take them everywhere. Yeah. A lot of dogs, if you can catch fear behaviors under the age of sexual maturity, under the age of nine months, you can make big changes in that dog's life. Yeah. And make it where the dog never learns how to display aggressive behavior to make what it's afraid of go away. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the dog still isn't fearful. And so those dogs can grow fearful but not follow up on aggression if you can work them properly up until they're about two years old. Yeah. You yeah. know? but you're still not fixing anything. Right. Just again, being an advocate for the dog.
0: Just teaching them they don't need to react, that you got it. Right. And that they're safe, pretty much.
1: Yes. So, So.
0: all right, so how do you tell, when you're evaluating dogs, how do you tell a dog that can be rehabilitated
1: versus- Okay, what is the description of socialization? Huh? Here's one for your husband. Are you ready, <laughs> Kevin? I'm ready. What's the description of socialization? Are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah, because you're the brain. I'm only a 50-pound brain. I work with 100-pound brains. <laughs> <laughs> the description and this of socialization, socialization with students is about communication skills.
0: Right. With people, you mean? Yes. Or, like with uh, scientists, that, they need to
1: learn means how the to socialize. Right? So, it's not <laughs> it's not physical contact. Oh, of course not. So, the, point, the is point is that socialization can be negative if you put a fearful puppy into a situation where what the human thinks is let's let everybody touch that puppy uh, to help it understand that people are not bad. Right. High pitched, squeaky voices let's run up and touch and touch and touch and touch, Rodney. Right? We're going to make the puppy see that people are wonderful because they're giving affection. But what, what, is, what does the dog see? It doesn't see as, as it, bad. it as
0: that. It doesn't see as a scary exposure,
1: meaning, hey, I'm just going to walk my puppy through the pet store, and if somebody starts to approach, hey, my puppy's fearful, we're just walking past. Thank you. Right. Um, and not allowing the dog, who's giving clear body language, don't touch me, to be touched. And I think that's what she's saying in your. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah, I think that's the um, point.
1: And so that's my point is that, you know, when the veterinarian tells you don't take um, okay. socialize it until after it's fully vaccinated because it's going to be exposed to diseases. What, what he should be saying is don't take your dog to puppy class or a pet store or the dog park until your dog is fully vaccinated. Right. It's got nothing to do with being exposed to general public. Right. Um, and then they miss their critical social period. And they're not exposed to anything. Yeah. Right, but exposure and socialization isn't going to cure bad temperament either. So if the owner is out there giving lots of affection to the insecurity, that also um, creates the dog like right, afraid of everything, right? Yeah, but also dominant uh, and territorial by genetics. Yeah, and he stayed with the breeder till he was twelve weeks old. Right.
0: Well, the breeder probably didn't do a good job socializing would be my guess well
1: but he can't socialize out temperament so what is it with that dog is it temperament or is it that he didn't get proper handling
0: well a lot temperament but a little bit socialization you
1: know, you have bad, bad handling yeah and improper exposure yeah. all three all three were in that dog's favor you know Ooh, the owner was in a very very negative state of mind when she got the puppy in the first place then everything was all about affection, affection, affection. So she put her uh, emotions upon an insecure dog, right. who then became assertive and dominant over her. Right? Yeah. And now, at a year and three months, he's had what they consider his first bite. Yeah. Where he tried to bite the maintenance man. But this is a dog that, when the owners even stepped into his space, he was jumping up the almost elbow level or a little bit higher and grabbing the sleeves of. It. Right.
0: Ooh. Question right. just popped into my head, but it's a little bit off topic. What's the difference between normal puppy mouthing
1: and a problem mouthing or so biting? Your you're, you're insecure puppy, every time you try to touch it, it's going to grab at you. Grab at you and try to walk away. Grab and grab and grab, but not be engaged at all. Meaning when you're petting, they, they just they want to get away from you. So right. jumping, mouthing, jumping, mouthing, jumping, mouthing. But they really don't want to be around you. Um, if they're just dominant and pushy, every time you try to engage with them, their body's more upright, still, tail high. And when you're touching around the face, they're grabbing at you. Which, in essence, is really a bite. It's not mouthing. They're right. saying, hey, don't do that. Don't touch me. You know? Don't do the touchy-feely thing. I just want to play with my ball or do my thing here. Right and they're they're jumping more. Right? Yeah. Um, where you're insecure, isn't isn't gonna jump on a stranger and be mouty, but it'll jump on the owner. Okay. Um, five week puppy syndrome. Mally, mouty, right. mouty, mouty mouty, mouty mouty, mouty with everybody, but walked right up walked around and was happy to go near people. But when they started touching extreme moutiness and then moving away. Right. So the puppies you know a little insecure, but not fearful. Yeah. Meaning it's not afraid of noises and that kind of stuff. Right? But it's a little insecure with people and doesn't like people to spawn in on it all the time. Right. Um, so that puppy probably came from stable parents and had the wrong upbringing. And so if everything's done right, the puppy will come out of it. Right. Um, and that is also a prime example of people trying to socialize and give affection, affection, affection. And the puppy saying, hey, stop touching me. Right. Weird. Like, creating negative. At you and, and walk away, right? Yeah. I'll be um, getting negative. Where right. was very forward and jumpy and using quite a bit of pressure behind his mouthiness uh-huh. to a point where people are pulling away and saying, Ow, it hurts. Right. Right? Um, and, and then he comes at me stronger. And you know, out in public that everybody he sees he has to get to, not not because he wants to say hi, but because he wants to accost them with jumping and tipping. Right. Um, and they're typically elevating versus staying low. So. Low. And then you have your friendly puppy. Right. Who just has the honor who wants to get it all crazy and all riled up and let's play tug of war and I'm going to slap your face around and play a face locked game and get you playing with me, roughhousing. And that puppy back. Right. You know? And then they start working out a pecking order. Mm, that middle of the red puppy can be easily curved once the owner gets trained. <laughs> right. But with a You know, most of them are like, oops, sorry, and they walk away. Right. And we see now that with a lot of a lot of dogs, they stay with the mother until they're ten weeks, and there's a lot less of that. So that means if dogs correct it, we should correct it too. But we just have to realize that we have to have pretty good timing. On average, dogs can do five things in five seconds, and a human can do one thing in five seconds. Right. Approximately. We have to look that up and see what the exact time <laughs> is. But. Which can throw your timing off, which is why a lot of people who use food say that we shouldn't correct. Well, then you shouldn't use food and correct either, because if your timing is off, given the treat, you're also off. Right. Right? yeah so good job for going potty click okay well you got to click the very second which is why they use a the tool because they can be faster right right um, and so you have to you have to catch things <laughs> yeah for sure um, so okay. what would
0: a normal puppy look like like a, a nice <coughs> pet?
1: Um, wants to approach softly, will come up, but may give you a little bit of space until you invite the puppy into your space, um, and then it might quote-unquote cuddle or be very close to you. It'll give eye contact and a mid-wag tail, and it wants to engage as long as you want to engage. If you step into its space, um, or disagree with anything, they back off very quickly. Yeah. Um, and they're happy to follow you. They want to follow you around you know but they stay behind they're not always trying to decide where you're going right it's like running up the stairs or running up. the right. door very easy to house break. they're clean there's very little chewy chewy excessive chewing in the house not to say they won't pick up a shoe or pick up something that they shouldn't but they're not out looking for things to destroy or get a hold of right right dogs can set mark by leaving saliva on wood, so a lot of times if they're chewing corners by doorways. Well that has meaning. That's territory. Huh. Right? Yeah. And people are going, Oh, I got a puppy and it's chewing up my walls. Well where is it chewing your wall? By the door. The door frames? <laughs> Entrance ways, right? So it's leaving scent. Wolves do it too. They do they rub on tree bark. Or they yeah. chew on it or they rub the inside of their mouth on it like cats do. Same thing.
0: Or well, or could that be like wanting to escape,
1: or no? Um, well, in a defensive dog, yeah. Insecure, so now we call it separation anxiety, right? Yeah. But separation anxiety, the leader can leave the followers behind, but the follower can't leave the leader behind. So, doesn't it mean that the animal being a bit dominant over its owner for leaving? Right. So, if it's chewing up the door frames, and it's stealing your things, and chewing it up, what does that mean? You know, what is the first question you ask people? Whose things are they chewing? Right. Oh, only my daughters, only my husband's. Only peas on my side of the bed, right? Yeah. so everything that they're doing, they're, they're making statements. A lot of very insecure, fearful dogs, when they mark, quote unquote, mark in the house, they are chewing stuff close to doorways, right? Yeah. people say, well, they're trying to escape. They're trying to be with me. Well, that can be part of it too, but where do they go? don't typically go anywhere to get out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, why do all my, my foster dogs...
1: Twice before the owner
0: finally agreed to doing some crate training. <laughs> um, so why do the foster <laughs> dogs the always glass glass get the
1: top? <laughs> Off the roof, the second time the dog broke its leg, first time it didn't. It just was cut up a little bit, and it got off the roof and sat at the front door. <laughs> didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Strain separation anxiety.
0: Yeah. Right? So, does separation anxiety have to have a genetic component?
1: Yeah, insecure, insecure dominance. Yeah, okay. Um, dog like, my are dog like, might bark and make a bunch of noise. But if he chews stuff up, he might grab like the owner that he least respects and shreds their things up. Right. That's different. And that would also be called separation anxiety. Right. When it's not.
0: He's just mad, and that's why they destroy the stuff? He's just leaving his scent. Oh, gotcha. Climbing stuff in the house. Okay. So... Alright, so what's the difference between a dog like carrying stuff around, like a sock, versus shredding it or chewing it up?
1: Shredding is usually from, from stress and disrespect of whoever he's shredding the item of. Uh-huh. And there's usually aggression connected with that. Right. Most shredders have aggression. Yeah. Most Chewer-uppers are more assertive. I'm gonna chew up your shoes. Right. Right. So... Alright, so... Both? I've had multiple cases actually with dogs that chew only the right or the left foot chew. So if they leave the closet door open it's always the left shoe, always the right shoe. Why would they do that? Why would I don't they it's a good question. But I've had a lot of cases like that.
0: Maybe there's something wrong with that person's foot? I don't know, it could be. Interesting. So why yeah, do all the having, foster so that's dogs... That's
1: a good question, you if you're left dominant or right dominant,
0: there's any connection with that. Oh, yeah. So why do all the foster dogs go get someone's stuff? If they're going to get someone's stuff, they always get hers. Well,
1: because
0: she's the insecure, like, intact. She's the <laughs> one that doesn't assert herself as much. <laughs> or she's the one that totally ignores them and tells them to go away, which is... Yeah, but it's coming from a
1: softer defensive energy instead of back off of the charge. Nah. Okay. Defensive. Chardonnay, if I leave my socks. She's probably annoyed. Yeah, she's annoyed. No way. Yeah. But that's not coming from a dominant state of mind. Back off. Don't touch my stuff. Right. It's different. So which one is she? The annoyed one. Right. So annoyed is what? Defensive. Yeah in their mind with right. dog seat. and then might say kind of Corrected them like six times and keep doing it the, 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 or annoyed yeah. right yeah climbing space dominant don't come in my room right and that might be coupled with on her terms is soft affection yeah right yeah which is the majority of people yeah, for sure. I they get the annoyed. Time. I'm so nice to you and then you chew up my stuff. I think
0: people, right. they confuse being frustrated with
1: dominance. Always. Always. Or angry. People and I have to point them out.
0: I think resource guarding is a good one because I don't see that covered a lot at workshops.
1: Well, most, most people say that resource guarding is dominant. Yeah. A lot of people do, not not most people, but I've seen a lot of trainers call that dominant. And how is that dominant? It's not dominant. It's right. defensive. It is defending its possession.
0: I guess the only way it would Resource. be dominant is if it would come over and take something that you had
1: in an aggressive manner. Would that just be... Just jump up and take it. Yeah. But that's... So that's what... Do. he just jump up and snap something out of his hands, right? Yeah. He's going to be sneaky about it. Right. He's going to wait and then he's going to grab and retreat. Right. He might just take it eat it right in front of you. Yeah. Right? Yep.
0: So talk, talk a little bit about what you do with resource garters
1: uh trading and the all that stuff i don't believe in trading you cannot trade for a higher value treat because you're not always going to have that presence right no and if you're doing that you're rewarding the behavior yeah so if i have a young puppy that is displaying resource guarding and it is from a insecure state which most of the time it is um i will give that puppy 20 pig ears or 20 bones and just let it have those. Just let them have it. Yeah. So they can't go anywhere. And I wouldn't uh, crowd them initially. Then I would bring in more. And when the dog is in a relaxed posture, just chewing away and stuff, I then start getting closer and start putting new ones in there. Do yeah. Pictures, do new femur bones, do nice and sticky stuff bones. All
0: the same values.
1: Yes. And at the point that they're starting to accept that without improper behavior, calm and relaxed, I start touching at the same time. Yeah. And then I'm not trading, but I'm passing through the new one with the old one. And soon I my hands in there and I can just almost say sharing. Hi, I'm sharing. Sort of. I'm not a threat. Yeah. You know, a big mistake the trainers make is because they try to correct it. And they get angry at the dog. Yeah. They want to punish the dog for growling. Or owners even. You know, because they're going to outdo the dog. Yeah. Well, you can't scare away scared. No, what's the point? Yeah. Right. Now if you have true dominance, that's different. Then yes you might consider overcoming that. And being a little bit more assertive. But that's extraordinarily rare. Yeah.
0: What percentage of dogs do you think have true resource guarding? Like, you know, genetically?
1: What percentage? Yeah.
0: Jeez, I don't know. Like is yeah. it yeah. is it common? Girl. Is it rare? What do you think?
1: A lot of defensive dogs have resource guarding. A lot of five-week-old puppy syndrome dogs have resource guarding. Yeah.
0: I think that's because they didn't learn how to
1: share with their littermates. And if they don't have that, then they have possession. Yes, because my mother teaches them that. Yeah. What are you looking for? You're you know? rummaging, making noise. And she also stops giving them certain eggs. Right. You know?
0: Because so, like that doodle that I had in, you know, she's not, she probably could be a resource guarder with her owners, I think. I think it might go there. But she doesn't know how to share with the dogs. So. so
1: do you see dogs sharing with each other or do you see dogs going, hey, you want this? And then when they take it, they play tug of war. So is that sharing or is that, hey, am I, let's, let's establish you? gets to win this. I
0: think, right? well, so I see Chardonnay and Annie sharing, and Chardonnay was definitely sharing, I think, she was, to
1: play to the she was walk. sharing,
0: yeah, because she to what wanted
1: I don't know what my question is. Do dogs share, Yeah. they bring a toy and leave it yeah. with the other housemate? Here, you can have this one. Go get another one and lay side by side and chew it together. That yeah. would be sharing. Yeah. And then, hey, let me take yours and chew it for a while, and you can chew mine for a while. Yeah. Or do they bring this toy over, and when the other dog grabs it, they play a bit of tugs? Which is sharing, and what are you seeing?
0: Which is sharing? I think that, I don't know. I don't know. This is a hard question. So if they're playing tug, what would they be doing that for in the wild? To compete with, to get a resource, probably.
1: A skin or something. Right. Yeah. It yeah. also helps them practice shaking stuff out. Yeah.
0: And seeing with who's stronger. And
1: kill things later.
0: It's a competition right? game. but so a lot of
1: times they'll play tug and then one the one that wins runs off with it, right? Yeah. So is that sharing?
0: No, or is I think that that's, You, you
1: want to try and take this from me? I
0: don't know. Well, because, like, okay, if Chardonnay and Shiloh are playing tug and one of them lets go, they'll take it back to the other dog and and try and get them to play tug more.
1: Yeah, what happens in the
0: end when it's all over? Well, one of them just kind of gets tired, I think.
1: Yeah, one of them loses. Yeah. The game. It's a game. It's a game, but they're learning. They're teaching each other. Yeah. But so whoever, whoever the strongest is, one's a resource in the end. Yeah. So. Okay, so is that sharing or is that...
0: Well, it's kind market. of a... Yeah, I mean, it's a competition game. But, but then Annie, all right, so like if Annie has a toy... Maybe Annie will step up and they both spit it out and walk away. (laughs) Well, sometimes. Which would be what?
1: Just giving it to her. Dominance. Yeah. Without any words. She doesn't have to play tug to get the toy. Yeah. She just has to walk over silently and go, hey.
0: But sometimes if Annie has a toy... And another yeah. dog comes up and kind of stands in front of her and like, wants the toy, she'll just spit it out and give it to him.
1: Yeah, but that's because they're not a threat. If they're a threat, she won't let them have it. Right.
0: Yeah, she wasn't going to let that doodle take anything from her.
1: That's right, because the doodle is insecure and wanting to be in charge. Yeah. And the doodle is what? A doodle or unstable? <laughs> unstable. <laughs> right, so are you stable or
0: unstable? Yeah. Or is there right gray in the middle? Well, a little unstable. Yeah, I mean, I think I think over time Annie would let her, but she wasn't accepted yet. You know, like they didn't accept her yet in the time she was at my house. So yeah, okay. The training and and working with dogs with these issues is the whole second half. Okay, here's the, the here's the next question. How do you know? Like, let's say you go to a shelter, right? Yes. And you're looking at a dog.
1: We should go to a shelter and take everybody.
0: I know, that would be cool, wouldn't it?
1: Yep. Uh, maybe
0: we can, I don't know if we can fit that in, though. But we could do that at our next one that's longer. Um, And Anthony would be awesome to have as that resource. Yeah. But, um, so how do you know if you're at the shelter and you see a dog, let's say you remember the brown dog I showed you the video of, right? And that dog wasn't perfect, right? He was anxious and he was kind of wild and stuff. So how do you know that that dog will basically be rehabilitatable versus one that will not?
1: Say that one more time.
0: How do you know which dogs are, are able to be rehabilitated?
1: Uh, when I go to a shelter? Yeah, and ones who are not. The difference between what is genetic versus what is, um... Environmental? Um, uh, okay, here's a good one. So, Angela's dog. Axel? Her, her little new dogs, oh, little dog. Oh,
0: Thor,
1: yeah. That dog is, that dog is, he's a little bit insecure. Right, a little bit. He's yeah. a little bit insecure. He was chained up on what a four foot chain to a point where his eyes were all bloodshot. Right. He was obviously an abuse case. Right. At least an extreme neglect case, if you want to put it that way. Right? Yeah. Um. And um. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty happy-go-lucky and pretty confident. So that dog, in time, will be normal. Normal. Yeah. You know, but because he's had some bad, you know, things happen to him, he needs to be rehabilitated. He needs some help. Where Axel is genetic, right?
0: So how do you Um, know the difference if you're at a shelter and you have like an hour to spend with the dog?
1: I know a lot of it is just gut instinct. You're gonna see. You're gonna see some. uh, changes in behavior for positives, like where your genetically fearful dog is not gonna come out of its shell at all the whole hour you're there. The right. dog is gonna continue showing extreme signs of fear where this little guy might hesitate a little bit and maybe he hackles up a little bit and does some stuff, but by the end of the hour, you're not seeing any of that. Right. Right? Quick quick improvement, but Yes, your fearful dog is gonna be uh, not tolerant of touch where your dog that's not too sure will come around to it.
0: Oh yeah I see that well yeah of course.
1: You know the human can't go in too quick you got to get that dog so when when you read about proper temperament testing what does it tell you to do? Take the dog into a strange room it's never been in. Right. Allow the dog five to fifteen minutes of just being alone by itself to do what it wants. Right. Do not engage, touch, talk, or do anything but be observant of what the dog is giving you. Yeah. Does it walk around the room and sniff? Does it jump on you? Is it just standing in front of you wagging its tail and looking at you and just hopeful that you're going to pet her? You know, what what are you seeing? What does the dog do? Right. Does the dog give you personal space but his waggy tail and eye contact just kind of hopefully you're going to call him in? Or is it like looking at you and walking a wide berth and walking around the edge of the room or hiding underneath the little corner, wherever it can get, its, get itself underneath, you know, what do you think? Right. You know? Um, very. Yeah. It's all genetic. Yeah. Because
0: um, I think that's hard for people to see a fearful dog, like they just see a fearful dog, they don't realize there's a difference in Uh, You know, a dog that really isn't fearful but has had bad experiences versus a dog who's would be fearful no matter what. Yep. And of course, I'm trying to figure that out as well. So, but the touch is definitely something I. I, They won't accept it. They might even if they're like
1: laying flat next to you. Yeah, they'll soften. They're not moving away from you when their body feels loose. Yeah, they'll soften with touch. You're not holding them on a leash, keeping them next to you and trying to touch them. Yeah. And them tense and wanting to move away. Right. Right? Yeah. The body becomes loose. They want to be there, but they don't know what to expect from you. Right. Right? Yep. And the difference between defensive and fearful and submissive. People think every dog that rolls on its back is being submissive. Dogs roll on their back very quickly and they throw themselves to the ground and they flip over that's defense. Right. You're petting the dog and the dog's all loose in the body and the eyes start to close and they slowly roll down and give you belly. <laughs> that's That's no submission. Right? Recognize yeah. the difference. Yeah. There are dominant dogs like Sandy who lays in the middle of the room and rolls around with her legs spread wide open. Her tail is not tucked between her legs, it is out. And she just lays there. She's so sort of That's occupied. down in the middle of the room, that is dominant. Right. She's just but playing on her room. back. Right. You know, that's the same dog that when you touch it might kick and fight when, they tell you to back off, don't rub my belly. Right. But a defensive dog will do the same thing, but they're going to whip at you with your mouth. And they're really going to kick at you with your legs. Right? Right.
0: Well, and the doodle. And, uh... Yeah. Well, yeah, and Annie lays in the middle of the rooms. I mean, she'll
1: leave, you know, so. You can be confident and not overly dominant too. Right. You yeah. Know, dogs that are confident and own it don't have to walk around and be in charge all the time. The ones that walk around and try to be in charge all the time, those are truly insecure dogs that are trying to, you know. Overcompensate. In charge, overcompensate. Yeah. Right.
0: So, alright, what else? All right. I think How I about said. the way they bark? Oh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Right? Whatever you want to talk about, I'm good. So,
1: a fearful dog
0: is going to Right? Yeah.
1: Can I, can I
0: play that at the workshop? Right?
1: Yeah, of course I'll do that. Right? <laughs> Where a more dominant dog is more broken and more continual. Right? right bark stop bark stop bark stop yeah bark stop hey hi hey somebody here right hey bark what's the other park Tails wagon middle bark door open. dog's happy right that's just an announcement hey there's somebody here right you know we're a celebration we're bringing everybody together oh. yeah right yeah howling like Sandy, the howling. I have right. that video, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Reading that. That's actually celebration and excitement and happy. Right. It's not dominant. You know, and I can't bark like a dog, but. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, right? Nathan. Yeah. Right? Yep. Well, I'm like. Yeah. Squealing, standing on the hind legs, stiff, rigid posture. Yeah. excitation <laughs> uh, Now I sound like a horse. Right. Pit bull wants to fight. He's crying. He's so excited.
0: Oh, yeah, the pit bull whine, yeah.
1: The pit bull squeal.
0: Well, what about little dogs that stand on their hind legs?
1: Like dominant. Continual strength bark. Yeah. No.
0: Standing up. I, I mean, usually they're on leash when they do that, so.
1: Well, sometimes they'll do that at a distance, but when, whatever it is, it keeps coming towards them, they'll, they'll take off running. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and that can be prey drive, too. Yeah. Right? Most of the time, elevation is making itself look bigger, so that's either to scare something away, hey, I'm bigger and fatter than you are, so it's just a front. Right. Or it's fixated in prey drive Repeat
0: that. Repeat what? What you just said about playing tug-of-war with certain dogs, not giving certain dogs fluffy, squeaky toys.
1: Yeah, dogs that have high prey drive, pick up stuff and shake it. Right? Yeah. And they're showing signs of resource guarding. You're enhancing those behaviors by playing tug-of-war, giving those types of items so that they can practice killing things. Yeah. They don't need to do that, and that will enhance behaviors elsewhere. Resource guarding, possession of the owner, you know? Yeah. So like with Gemma... But if you have a stable dog, you can play with that dog, and they can have those types of toys, and they're not obsessed with them, they're happy to give them up. Right. Their intent isn't to shake them out and tear them apart. Right. So is that the Every difference you also might get a little head shake, but it shouldn't be extreme
0: right um, So is that the difference too because like let's say my dogs can have a, a toy with a squeaker in it for months and they don't tear it up versus a dog that
1: will destroy it in seconds. That's correct. Well, she will jump up to take it from you and then guard it. She's coming so. She's on the list. Oh, yeah. So that's good. Awesome. Uh-huh. She is a truly dominant dog. Yeah. Rarity. That's why I kept her. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like a museum. Dog, none of the dogs have ever challenged her. And if they do, she steps right up into their space, regardless as to who they are. Right. Even Sandy. Right. Sandy leaves her alone. Zero problem with her coming in. Sandy accepts dominant dogs coming in. She does not accept insecure spooky dogs. right? That wasn't the one she wants to eliminate from the pack. Right. But she will accept another dominant. Why is that?
0: Because they're stable?
1: No. Uh, because they're a resource to the pack. They're an asset. Oh, yeah. As long as they don't challenge her directly. Right. They're just there. Yeah.
0: That's it. I never thought of that, but yeah, of course. Because a lot of times, like, I mean, I'm thinking of some foster dogs I've had, like Swifty. I mean, she was dominant, but her and Annie got along great. You know, because they were respectful of each other, and they probably thought that way. They're like, "Oh, you're a good addition to the pack." What about him and his little resource guarding with me? What do you think
1: that's about? It's just, that was just love nothing. <laughs> so what he's about dogs testing. he's just testing you yeah and so, that comes from a dominant state he's being a jerk okay he's not nervous
0: so that's a different kind of resource guarding like that's testing but it's the relationship not real.
1: it's gonna go away if you had corrected him it's not gonna come back right that's that's you know that's why i was surprised because i'd never seen him do it right So how do you know if you have
0: a dog like Boo that's just testing you versus?
1: Because everything else in the dog is normal. Okay. The dog's not insecure. And he's not over the top trying to be in charge either. Right. He'll push you. He'll jump on you occasionally. He'll slap you with a foot. Right. See if he can get away with trying to get you to pet him. You know? Yeah. He'll try to take your space if he can. But if you back him off, he'll go, okay. Right. You know?
0: So is that like, uh, Which means what?
1: if he was in charge of his owner, he'd probably be the kind that would just run away or not come when he was called or, you know, get up on the couch even though he's not supposed to. And right. Just do stuff, but there wouldn't be any aggression or anything behind it. And when he, if he growled over a resource, it'd be a little growl and kind of looking at you at the same time. But if he stepped in, he'd back right off. Yeah. Yeah. 'Cause
0: you know, that lady with that crazy Boston, she said her dogs growled at her over stuff, but they've never done anything about it. And so she thought that Boston's behavior was normal. Say that again? The Boston Terrier in the video?
1: Yeah. The he didn't growl. He did growl. Yeah, the growling is defensive, so when they don't growl and they do that, they really fucking mean it. <laughs> Excuse me, I just cussed. <laughs> he
0: did he did growl. But because of the rest of his behavior, I told her. He growled only
1: when you shook it. Only growling the whole time.
0: He growled when I tried to take the pig ear with the hand. Oh. Yeah. But he also got real still, and because the rest of the dog was so bizarre, you know, like I'm thinking her Boston's probably are more like boo. They're just doing that because she's not in charge and they can't. No,
1: she just backs off, and they might be. They might really mean it. Yeah. But she's not going to take something that's there. She's going to back off. Right.
0: So thanks for joining us for our first podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back again with some more dog training and dog behavior tips and